Our scripture reading is taken from John, first chapter of John. This is to be found in your bulletin, in your pew Bibles on page number 80. Here begins the 29th verse of the first chapter of the Gospel according to John. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes the man who ranks ahead of me because he was not before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he may be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here's the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus returned and saw them following, he said to them, For what are you looking? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found a Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Listen to the word of the Spirit speaking to us. Good morning. Would you pray with me? Rain down your spirit upon us, O Lord. Water the dry places of our hearts. Lead us to the peaceful valley and refresh our weary souls. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. It was the summer of 1983, Michael Jackson's Thriller album had just been released. It was less than 20 years 
after the Civil Rights Act was signed into law. I was one of four white college students from the Northwest working in a small town 40 miles south of Jackson, Mississippi. The town's name was Mendenhall. We were there to tutor children for the summer in a tutoring program that the Black Baptist Church um, had started so that African-American children uh, would not fall behind in school. Mendenhall was divided down the center by a set of railroad tracks. African-Americans were on the side closest to the river that happened to flood about every five years. The side of town, their side of town, was made up of dilapidated houses, unpaved roads, no sidewalks. There was one run-down public swimming pool for the children. On the other side of the tracks, the world was different, altogether different. The white side of town had paved roads lined with red brick homes and well-kept lawns connected by smooth sidewalks. There was a shiny public pool only for the white children. And it was hard to believe that these two sides of town shared the same zip code. And we from the Northwest, we students, were beyond shaken by the blatant um, realities of racism in Mississippi. We had fooled ourselves into thinking that we didn't struggle with racism in Seattle. In the Seattle area, racist practice, practices were subtle, were hidden. And like so many cities, Seattle was separated into racial enclaves. Race and class disparities could be ignored as long as one didn't wander outside of one's own neighborhood. In the South, at least, racism was in the open. I found it strangely more honest. The day my friends and I arrived in Mendenhall, a large white cross was on the front lawn of the Simpson County Courthouse on the uh, town square. A KKK rally had happened the night before, had taken place because the Klan was uh, protesting legislation intended to remove a zoning law that prevented African Americans from buying homes um, in better parts of town. Mr. Gregory, a leader in the community development arm of the Baptist Church, gave us our orientation, our official orientation into the work we'd be doing that summer. And he taught us about the racial and political struggles in the town, about the history of the black church's role in the civil rights movement. He explained the reasons for the plaguing poverty for Southern African-Americans. He answered our naive questions with great patience. He also warned us to prepare to eat the most amazing food prepared by the women of the community. He said we'd experience hospitality and love unlike anything we had felt before. And he was right. But out of all the things Mr. Gregory told us that day, these are the words that still echo within me. And he said them with a firm conviction. If you've come here thinking you need to help us, 
you can turn around and go home. We don't need your help. But if you've come here to see life as it is for us and be changed by what you see, then we're glad you're here. We need your friendship and your witness, not your help. Each of us was indeed changed by our experiences in Mendenhall. Many of my convictions about poverty, racism, injustice, and my understanding of God can be tracked, can be traced back to my come and see summer of 1983. That summer, I could have stayed in Seattle and taken a course at my college and learned a lot by reading history books on Southern poverty and racism, but my heart wouldn't have been transformed. Instead, I had to see the staggering disparities in our country in the flesh. I had to enter into what philosopher Martin Buber called the I-thou relationship. I needed to enter into an I-thou relationship with the men and women and children of Mendenhall. I needed face-to-face friendships with the people who were vastly different from me. In Jesus' invitation to come and see, he preached the truth that it is through authentic relationships, especially with people unlike ourselves, that our hearts and our minds are transformed. In 1968, Senator Robert Kennedy visited Eastern Kentucky. His poverty tour, as they called it, took place one month before declaring his run for the presidency and four months before his assassination. Bobby Kennedy saw with his own eyes and heard first-person accounts of those living in desperate poverty in Appalachia. He saw the plight of the coal miners children and families. From there, Kennedy went on to the Mississippi Delta and to the uh, migrant uh, uh, farms in California. The reason Bobby Kennedy embarked on that tour was because someone invited him. She invited him to come and see up close a side of America he had never encountered before. And those experiences, they say, changed his life and his priorities. In our lectionary passage this morning, John the Baptist is still with us. And if you were here December 15th and you heard my sermon, I said that John the Baptist um, never makes it on a Christmas ornament. And guess what? I have four John the Baptist Christmas ornaments now. That week, four of you, or I got four ornaments, so John the Baptist had his own little quadrant on our Christmas tree. So here John is standing around with two of his disciples. Jesus is coming toward him and says, and John says, look, here is the Lamb of God. John's disciples leave him and start following Jesus. And sensing them behind him, Jesus turns and asks them a simple yet profound question 
the same question that is germane for all of us. What are you looking for? The disciples aren't quite sure, but they ask Jesus, where are you staying? And he said, come and see. Now, Ian and I tell this story at each of our inquirers classes for exploring membership. And the next one is February 1st, by the way, if you're interested. Being an inquirer is exactly what this story is about. Seeking, searching, being curious, asking good questions, and being asked, what are you looking for? And we invite inquirers to come and see faith and the way that we live faith out here at Mobview Church, and then tell them they can decide if they would like to walk along with us this path of Jesus. So when Jesus invited the two disciples to come and see, he didn't first, first ask them to worship him. And he required no theological litmus test or profession of faith. They made no promises to him as they embarked on that path. Jesus extended a pure invitation. Come and see who I am. Come and experience what I'm about. Come and see the fruit of my actions. Come and see where I'm abiding. And the story goes, they stayed with him until four in the afternoon, which is a funny detail. But I think when something profound happens in our lives, we remember exactly where we were and what time it was. So the Greek word for to see can also be translated as perceive or understand or experience. This is the kind of seeing that invites us to look deeper, to enter more fully, more wholly into an experience. It's the kind of seeing or understanding that can change us if we allow it. Sandy Proudy and I went to a program this past week titled In This Together, and it was hosted by the Interfaith Alliance of Colorado. The panel discussion and the program was made up of different of religious leaders of different uh, religious traditions, movements. They represented Islam, Judaism, Roman Catholicism, and Protestantism, both mainline and evangelical. And the program's intention was for each religious leader to describe how his or her community is experiencing the increasing tension around political and ideological differences in our nation. Sandy and I listened for two hours to those diverse voices sharing the struggles erupting in their communities and the pain they as leaders feel about their, in their response. What I recognized and perceived in their stories were my own, was my own story. I understood and I understand what we're all feeling in our congregation, what we feel for our congregants on both sides of the aisle. 
Jesus knew the disciples could not be transformed from a distance. Jesus always preferred to get up close and personal with people, especially those who were on the margins. Jesus drew people to himself, and he crossed borders and went into unfamiliar territories. And the great divine crossing border was God coming in Jesus toward us. Through the incarnation, Jesus, in fact, collapsed the distance between God and creation. The Apostle Paul said, In Christ, God was reconciling the world to God's self and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. It was as if God responded to his own invitation to come and see by entering into our very human lives, into our suffering. God came to see what life was like for us, to see life through our eyes. Jesus here is not observing human suffering from a distance. He was and is somehow, in some way, in our suffering with us now. And he continues to take on the pain and bear it and move through it to resurrection hope. And we are invited again and again to come and see where he abides, to see what he's up to in the world, to join in the fun with open hearts and minds, to come and see. And as Ian said earlier, we have so much to come and see and to be part of here at Montview Church and in the world. So choose something. Come and see. But prepare yourself, for you might never be the same. Thanks be to God. Amen.